became flesh. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, born of God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received praise, in place of praise already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Neville. <clears throat> We're going to have a little look more at that um, reading from John's Gospel. So that's page 1063 in the Church Bibles, um, if you want to follow along. But this morning, we're asking the big question, which is, um, how can we know God? Who is God? How does he feel about us? Um, today, different people have different ideas of who God is, and we're going to watch a little video that shows us a clip of some different ideas. What do you think that God's There we go. So it seems that most people have this vague idea that there is a God, 
but who he or she or it is like seems to be up for grabs. So people speculate, I think of God like this. And you might have heard it, that some people might say to you, well, you, that's good for you to think of God like that, but I prefer to think of him as a benevolent force or something else. Different people have different ideas of God, and culturally we think any idea is kind of fair game. That's good for you. What's good for me? But we're going to ask the questions, how can we know God? Who is he? Um, what does he think about us? How can we relate to him? Um, that's what John, in his gospel, wants to tell us um, today. So why don't I pray that God would speak to us as we look at his word, um, and then we'll have a little more at what he's got to say to us. Father God, we thank you for who you are, and we pray that you would reveal yourself to us this morning. Amen. Now, we're starting a new um, series in John's Gospel, and John tells us why he wrote his Gospel. It's there in John chapter 20, um, if I can find it. John 20, verse 30. Um, I should have put it in my, with a little bookmark. Here we go. It says... Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So John's Gospel, John wrote because he wants us to know who Jesus is, and he wants us to know the benefits that come from belonging to him. He wants us to know how to respond to him. So into our world, our world that has these different ideas of God, John's gospel comes and explodes our views. It says actually we can know God truly um, as he reveals himself uh, to us. I've realised, I've forgotten that I was meant to play with this after um, the Crossans very kindly went and got it for me. Um, Here you go. Let me me say that... um, our world kind of thinks of God a bit like um, bubbles. So here we are. This is going to work. There we are. Look at that. Great. There we go. It was worth getting it, wasn't it? Worth getting it just for that. Um, so our world likes to think of God as bubbles. Bubbles are kind of like mysterious, aren't they? Even mesmerizing. They're great. They're beautiful. But we can't really get hold of them. We can't grasp them. We can't know them. They're kind of untouchable. Um, So we like to think of God as a bit distant, a bit out there, something we can't know. But in John's Gospel, we see that Jesus has come to reveal fully to us um, what God is like. So look at verse 14 um, with me. Um, That's our key verse, the one that we're going to look at most this morning. It says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So the claim is that God has come into the world to tell us what the world is like, to tell us what God is like. No more is he like these ethereal bubbles that we can just make up some kind of mysterious idea and it's as good as my idea is as good as your idea. God has come into the world um, so we might know him. And that verse there, verse 14, it says the word, and that's just John's way of referring basically to the divine son of God. So verse 1 is where he uses it and it says... In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So the Word is God. That's basically what he's trying to say. And it's quite hard, impossible, to kind of fully get our heads around it. But the Word is God, but is also distinct from God. He's with God. 
So this tells us that Jesus is divine. He's the son of God. But he's no less divine. He's no less important than God the Father. Um, He's no less God. He's fully God. So today, when people talk about Jesus, we can't say he is only a good teacher or he is just a wise man or he's just a prophet. He's more than that. He's fully God um, as well. And the Son of God, he left heaven, he left heaven, um, he left his bubble-like existence up in space, ethereal and untouchable, and he came um, into our world. He came into our world, as verse 14 says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. He became flesh, he became meat. God took on human um, skin. And it says here that he dwelled, he dwelled among us. Now, God's goal, his hope, was actually to live with his people for a very long time. So at the end of the Bible, it talks about us living with God for eternity in heaven. And God also dwelt with his people um, back in Exodus. So Exodus 40 is the last chapter in Exodus. Um, God tells Moses to make this tent he makes a tent of lo- with lots of purple and lots of gold. And God is going to come and dwell in this tent with his people. God's people are all living in tents. One tent in the middle. And this is what happens. 40, 34. Then the cloud covered the tent of the meeting. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. So... God comes to live with his people. They see his glory. But what do they see? They see a cloud. And I couldn't get a cloud today. So here you go. He came, he light bubbles maybe. He came as a cloud and lived among the people. But even then, he was untouchable. It said that Moses couldn't get in to the tent because the glory cloud of the Lord filled it. Here in John's Gospel, again, we see God dwelling with his people. But he doesn't come in a glory cloud. Rather, he comes. Um, he comes as meat. Verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. We sing in the Christmas carol, Hark the Herald's Angels Sing, we sing, Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. God has taken on human skin. He's become man. And the thing about that is that now, as meat, he can be touched. He can be seen. He can be looked at. He can be engaged with. People could ask him questions. They could see how he responds to the trials of this life. How does he respond when he's hungry or tired or sad? How does he treat others? How does he treat those who are poor and those who are rich? How does he treat those who are socially popular and those who are outcasts? How does he treat the weak and the strong? 2,000 years ago, people walking around in Israel saw God. They could touch him and speak to him and as we read through john's gospel and we're going to be able to see him too we'll see him in the words of john's gospel we'll see who he declares himself to be we'll see how he 
engages with the disappointments and the brokenness of this world. We'll see him in chapter 2. He goes to a wedding and they run out of wine. And what does he do? Well, he produces more of the best wine. He points not to this world, but to the world to come and the banquets we'll enjoy uh, with God then. We'll see how he cares for people. So in chapter 3, we have a woman from Samaria who has had a shady background and she's shunned. But Jesus pursues her because he wants to know her. And we'll see what he thinks of religious works as well as he meets a religious leader and as he's not impressed but tells him that he needs to be born again and much much more so stick around um, for the weeks to come to see what else we'll see um, in John's gospel Uh, there's a theologian who lives in the last century he was called Thomas Torrance and he wrote this I think it'll pop up on the screen in a minute he wrote this God is not one thing in himself and another in Jesus Christ. What God is towards us in Jesus, he is inherently and eternally himself. There is thus no God behind the back of Jesus, but only this God, whose face we see in the face of the Lord Jesus. Or to put it another way, what he's saying is, if you want to know God, look at Jesus. How Jesus thinks of you, God thinks of you. So if Jesus' heart moves out to you in love, the Father's heart moves out to you in love as well. That's what verse 14 is saying, our key verse. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So as we watch Jesus in the pages of John's Gospel, we will see God. We'll see God's glory we'll see Jesus um, come as meat. But there is one other thing about coming as meat, and that is that we can get our hands on him. We can manhandle him. We can beat him, which is exactly what happened, isn't it? So look at verse 10. He, Jesus, was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. The one who made the universe, who made the atmosphere, the hills, the trees, the streams, he walked on the face of the earth. But those who lived on earth walked past him and thought he was nothing special. They ignored him. And God's chosen people, the people that God had spoken to for thousands of years, the people God said, hey, look, I'm coming, I'm going to turn up. Well, they ignored him too. Look at verse 11. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. In fact, more than just ignore him, they didn't receive him. They rejected him. He claimed to be their king, but they didn't want to know him. They laid hands on him. They beat him. And as we sing in another song, hands that flung stars into space to cruel nails, surrendered. Sorry, I should have prepared this earlier. Here you go. He came as meat into our world. Right him. And as he died on the cross, as his life went out from his lungs, as his blood came out from his Um, side 
it looked like everything had gone wrong. It looked like humanity had been able to better God, to get rid of him, and to be God in his place. But, three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. Humanity couldn't kill him. Look at verse 3. It says, Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. We couldn't kill the king of life. In him was life. And that life was the light of mankind. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness could not overcome um, our king our God of light. Three days later, he rose again. And we find out that that was all part of God's plan um, all along. God's plan to rescue lost and dark humanity meant that he had to come as a human and die in our place. Jesus was our victorious champion. He triumphed where we failed. And as our champion, he gives his victory prize um, to us. And what is that prize? Verse 12 tells us. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. So Jesus opened wide the door so that we could walk into the family of God. We who are rebels and have no rights before God could know him could be his children, could enjoy all that he has, and could become his heirs. And how, how, how do we become children of God? Well, it says here, it's not, um, not by natural descent. It's not because we were born Christians, not because of who we are by being human, or who we are because we were born into a Christian family, or because we were born into a Christian country. By nature, we're far from God. Rather, we become children through adoption. But even that, actually, John doesn't use the word adoption. He says it's not of a husband's will. 2,000 years ago, people, sometimes powerful people, would adopt somebody. They'd choose someone to be their heir, to you know, um, inherit their wealth, their status, their power. Maybe they couldn't have children themselves. Maybe they didn't like their biological children. So they'd look for somebody worthy. Who's worthy to continue my kind of dynasty? And that is absolutely not what um, God does. He doesn't look for somebody who is worthy. We don't have to run around trying to be impressive to God that he might choose us. But rather, it says here, it's born of God. There's something miraculous that's going on. A new birth. A new creation that's happening. So... In verse 3, the word makes all things. And then here, in verse 12, the word makes us children of God. It's the same word. Through the, through the word, all things became. And through the word, now we can become children of God. And that's what people mean sometimes when they talk about being um, born again. It's having new life in our veins. We're alive to God, spiritually alive. We can know him personally. And when we die, if we die, we'll only die physically. The new life, the new spiritual life we have will live on. We'll live on with God forever. And one day at the end of time, he'll remake our broken bodies and give us new physical bodies 
um, as well. And I wonder, I wonder if, if you know um, that new birth uh, yourself. I imagine there'll be quite a lot of people um, who come along to church quite regularly um, but don't personally know uh, God as their own um, Lord and Saviour, don't know the Jesus as a faithful friend, um, as a generous king. And if that's you, if you're wondering, do I know him? Well, what do you need to do? Look at verse 12. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. All you need to do is to receive Jesus. That just means to receive him as he shows himself to be, as God, as your God, as the Lord of all, as the one to live for. If you'd like to do that, you can just pray to him and ask him, ask him to be your God, ask that you might live your life for him only, ask him to come and give you new birth, um, and he will. And if you're worried, if you're worried, am I a real believer, am I not? Well, if you've received Jesus as God, then you've done all you need, because there is no God behind the back of Jesus. If you've received Jesus, then you've received God, you know God, And more than that, you're known by God, you're loved, you're rescued, and you are alive in the family of God. Jesus reveals God to us. That's what verse 14 has come to say. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. In the pages of John's Gospel, we see God's glory. We don't need to guess anymore because Jesus has shown us who God is. There's no more need for speculation because we have seen Jesus' glory as he came in flesh. And the thing about glory is, um, Jesus' glory is seen most clearly not when he is at his transfiguration moment, not even at his resurrection moment, um, but as he dies on the cross. As the life-giving word gave his life so we might live forever. He died so we might know rebirth into the family of God. So John chapter 1, it wants to tell us that if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. And if you want to know how God feels about you, um, look at the cross. Our God is a God who gives um, and gives and gives and gives that he might welcome you home into the family of God. Let me pray for us. Father God, we thank you so much for your love for us and the ways that you have come that we might know you, died so that we might live with you. And we pray that we would praise you today and every day. Amen. Half the Herald.